Click Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Monday, December the 20th. You are days, just days away from the Christmas season, which has not yet started. So don't worry. You don't even have to, like, listen to a single Christmas carol or decorate for at least, I don't know, four more days, four and a half. If you stretch it, praise be to God. I'm teasing, of course. Christmas is always going to be exciting and awesome, and we look forward to that. But uh, it's the fourth week of Advent, so don't forget to enjoy Advent while you still can. Praise be to God. Coming up today on this uh, show, we are going to have a great hour, a jam-packed hour. In fact, Stephen Mosier's back with us from the Population Research Institute. We're going to revisit the lab leak theory. I read, The first conversation I had with Stephen Mosier was February of 2020, well before things were heated up. And uh, we had lockdowns and 15 days to slow the spread and mandate well, well, well before all of that. Uh, we had a great conversation with Stephen Mosher about the lab leak theory so early on, February of 2020, brand new, hot off the press. And today's going to be back. We're going to revisit that, plus the ongoing persecution of Christians in China. That's coming up at 15 past the hour. At 35 past the hour, Alex Marlowe, he is the editor-in-chief at Breitbart. He's going to be our guest to talk about media manipulation and fake news. And it's going to be a great hour, jam-packed, lots of energy. I hope you'll stick around for all or part of that, of course. Big news came out over the weekend. Of course, everybody's talking about Senator Joe Manchin from yesterday, uh, the Democrat from West Virginia, who is now not going to be voting for the Build Back Better bill. Praise be to God. Uh, 1.2 or 7 trillion. I don't even know. I mean, who knows? That money is so, uh, you know, incomprehensible. It makes my mind just spin thinking about it. But, uh, Hopefully and prayerfully, that won't get passed with, with Joe Manchin's support of not support, not uh, voting for it. Of course, uh, New York legislature is trying to pass a bill that would uh, allow for medical detentions just like they have in Australia's COVID camps. So congratulations, New York. You're going to have fun with that one. And then, of course, the big, huge news came out over the weekend of the CDW putting out its uh, responses to the dubia. Finally, the dubia gets responded to. Uh, unfortunately, it's just not the same dubia that we all had hoped they had responded to years ago. This dubia is some sort of new dubia that bishops were asking about. Well, they've come out and they've put further restrictions. We talked about this last week. Further restrictions on the traditional forms of piety, the sacraments, and more. We're going to be discussing a lot more about this story tomorrow with Bishop Athanasius Schneider. So please do tune in tomorrow at this time for a much lengthier conversation about that. But we might touch on this in the after show today. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning. I remember uh, 15 days to stop the spread. That must have been 2,000 years ago. <laughs> it feels it, doesn't it? Yeah. Don't worry. They're talking about uh, triple masks up during Christmas parties, which, by the way, you shouldn't, I guess, go to parties with un the unvaxxed. Um, so, <laughs> and they should probably wear signs that say, hey, they're unvaxxed, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So those kinds of restrictions are coming out in uh, because of Omicron, which apparently seven people who've had it have died apparently so far. And wow. they're not even sure if they died of Omicron, just they had Omicron 
after they died or before they died. So there's that. That that and so much more. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. In spite of it all. Despite the fact that the Holy Father uh, seemingly hates me and all traditional Catholics. He doesn't hate uh, you. But he just wants to that, hammer you. Despite this, that, this it's still good to be here. Nonetheless, <laughs> praise be to God. I know. I was. Uh, I, I just had a great move over the weekend. My family celebrated my mom's birthday, so that was great. Praise be to God. Happy birthday, mom. My mom's birthday was yesterday, so if you would say a Hail Mary for her, I'd be very grateful. Praise Amen. be to God. Praise be to God. But yeah, so praise be to God. We had a great time. We got her a, uh, I got her a big old statue of Our Lady so she can put out on our front porch uh, for outdoors, so it was great. So good, good stuff. All good things. All good things. Well, we're going to have a great show today. Lots to jump into. As I said, Stephen Mosher at 15 past. Alex Marlowe from Breitbart at 35 past. We'll have a regular uh, second hour as well if you're able to join us. Plus, don't have I forgotten? We're trying to give somebody a uh, Mercedes. You could win a brand new Mercedes. Go to grnonline.com for the details. You can find out all of the information, what kind of Mercedes, how to possibly win it, all of that at grnonline.com. Let's pray. Let's jump in. It's going to be a great show today and all week. We're really excited about it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here is your headline news this morning. Breitbart reports AP lauds Pope Francis's crackdown on Latin Mass as highlight of his 85th year. An Associated Press analysis showcases Pope Francis's clampdown on the traditional Latin Mass as one of his most significant accomplishments of 2021. Despite the Pope's oft-repeated commitment to inclusiveness and diversity, he opted to eliminate a venerable liturgical form that has seen a marked revival in recent years ever since its use was expanded by Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI in 2007. Under the new rules, the liturgy has been homogenized to eradicate the popular alternative form. When they were effected in July 2021, the Pope's sweeping restrictions on the traditional Latin Mass were hailed by progressives and vocally opposed by conservatives, including at least three cardinals. Instead of appreciating the smell of the sheep, the shepherd here hits them hard with his crook, Cardinal, Cardinal Mueller declared, with an allusion to one of Pope Francis's favorite sayings. The Church's real problems today do not come from so-called traditionalists, the Cardinal stated, but from progressives who undermine the core of Catholic belief. And the Daily Caller reports Chinese tennis star now denies ever making sexual assault allegations. Tennis star Peng Shui denied she ever made sexual assault allegations on Sunday, addressing the matter for the first time since her initial post in early November, Reuters reported. She says, quote, first, I need to stress one point that is extremely important. I have never said or written that anyone has sexually assaulted me. I have to clearly stress this point, unquote. She said from the sidelines of a cross-country skiing event in Shanghai, Reuters reported. Peng disappeared from public life for almost three weeks after she alleged former Vice Premier Zhang Goli of coercing her into sex several years ago. After international concern for her safety, she reemerged and said she was not in any danger. 
At the event Sunday, Pang said that she was living at her home in Beijing and was not under supervision, but experts previously told the Daily Caller News Foundation that the athlete's safety would never truly be guaranteed after her accusation. And the Blaze Report's tech company develops microchip implanted in the body that stores a COVID-19 vaccine passport, so it's always accessible. You get me one of those. Epic Times reports fentanyl overdoses become leading cause of death in 18 to 45 year olds. Fentanyl related drug overdoses in 2020 became the top killer in adults aged 18 to 45, overtaking suicide, vehicle accidents, and gun violence, according to an analysis of Centers for Disease Control and Prevention data by nonprofit group Families Against Fentanyl. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid that's 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine, highly addictive, and deadly. Buyers may be unaware that drugs they buy contain illicit fentanyl, a 2 milligram dose of which can be fatal. The substance is most often manufactured in Mexico using chemicals supplied from China and trafficked across the southern border by Mexican drug cartels. In 2020, as lockdowns became prolonged and widespread as a response to the pandemic, overdose fatalities accelerated. More than 100,000 Americans, a record amount, died of drug overdoses in the 12-month period ending in April, according to the CDC data. Fentanyl was involved in almost two-thirds of those deaths. And this seems to be another, another point of how the cure is worse than the disease. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Dominic, no, not Guzman, of Silos, born in 1000 AD. He was born in Cañas, La Rijoa, to a family of peasants. He worked as a shepherd before becoming a Benedictine monk at the monastery of San Milan de la Coyeo, who was ordained a priest and soon became master of novices and prior before being driven out with two of his fellow monks by King Garcia Sanchez III of Navarre for opposing his intention to annex the monastery's lands. Under the protection of King Ferdinand I of Lyon in 1041, they found refuge in the town of Silos in the decaying abbey of St. Sebastian, occupied by only six monks. After his death, both the monastery and the town were renamed for him. Dominic was appointed as the abbot of the community and inspired by the reforms of Cluny, proceeded to rebuild the monastery, both spiritually and physically. He built the cloister in the Romanesque style and established a scriptorium, turning the monastery into a center of book design, scholarship, and significant charity made possible through the proceeds of the gold and silver workshops. Dominic became known for the works of healing. The monastery became one of the centers of the Mozarabic liturgy and also preserved the Visigothic script of the ancient Spain. Wealthy patrons endowed the monastery and Dominic raised funds to ransom Christians taken prisoner by the Moors. By the time of his death on the 20th of December, 1073, the monastery numbered 40 monks. The mother of the better-known Saint Dominic of Guzman, the blessed Joan of Aza, is said to have prayed at his shrine before she was able to conceive the son she named for him. That son would grow up to found the Dominican order. Dominic's special patronage thus became connected with pregnancy and until the establishment of the Second Spanish Republic in 1931, his habitual crozier was used to bless the queens of Spain and was placed by their beds when they were in labor. He died in 1073. St. Dominic of Silos, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee called Nazareth 
to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel being come in, said unto her, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Who having heard, was troubled at his saying, and thought with herself what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found grace with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of David his father, and he shall reign in the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be done? Because I know not man. And the angel answering said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. And therefore also the Holy, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her that is called barren, because no word shall be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. The word Miriam, praise be to Jesus in all things. The word Miriam or Mary is expounded by St. Jerome from different, um, different sources, Hebrew and etc. Star of the sea, star of the sea who is the glorious queen of heaven, our patroness and star, to direct us in the stormy ocean of this world. O you, cries out St. Bernard, who find yourself tossed to and fro in this tempestuous life, turn not your eyes away from the brightness of this star. If you would not be uh, overwhelmed in these storms, if the winds of temptations arise, if you fall among the rocks of tribulation, look up to the star, call upon Mary. If you are agitated and hard driven with the surges of pride, ambition, detraction, jealousy, or envy, look up to the star, call upon Mary. If anger, covetousness, or lust be furiously on the vessel of your soul, look up to the star, call upon Mary. If you are beginning to founder, and are just sinking into the gulf of melancholy and despair. Think on Mary in dangers and distress and perplexities. Think on Mary. Call on Mary. Let her name be never absent from your mouth. From your mouth let it be constantly descend into your heart that you may obtain the suffrage of her prayers, both in life and death. We'll be right back. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Many Protestants believe Christians can be absolutely sure they're going to heaven because John tells us in 1 John 5.13, I write this that you may know you have eternal life. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, 
John writes in the next verse, and this is the confidence which we have in him. For John, the knowledge we have of our salvation is not a certainty without doubt, but a confident assurance. And that's the Catholic belief. Second, we know this is what John means because in verse 15, he draws a parallel between our knowledge of salvation and our knowledge that God grants our requests. Do we have absolute certitude that God will grant our requests? No, but we are confident he will answer. So, Catholics need not worry. John is not teaching Protestant doctrine here. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Alex Marlowe, editor-in-chief at Breitbart, is going to be our guest to talk about his news or his book, Breaking News, uh, which is going to be a great conversation about fake news, media manipulation, and more. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. Joining us right now again is Stephen Mosier from Population Research Institute. Good morning to you, Dr. Stephen Mosier. Good morning. I was just looking back this morning. The first conversation I was able to have with you uh, was back in February of 2020, uh, which was very early on. I mean, well before 15 days to slow the spread even. Um, and even then, I was listening to that conversation this morning before the show. Uh, you kind of laid out at that time what the theories were about the origins of COVID. I mean, snakes were being accused at the time from the meat market, in fact, um, let alone bats and other uh, types of critters. Uh, but you espoused the, the, the real possibility that it was a leak from the level four facility there in Wuhan. Um, now we're almost two years into that conversation. How do you feel now about that? Well, I, I'm a little nostalgic for uh, 15 years to uh, 15 uh, days to flatten the curve. It turns out it's more like 15 years to flatten the curve. Um, had had it only been two weeks, I think we all would have just uh, buckled down and and uh, let this. Uh, let this uh, pandemic pass over us, but obviously it was uh, much more, much more. Um, uh, well, <laughs> I have trouble summarizing the whole last two years because I've just written a book about it called "The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics," and basically the the theme of the book is that everything we've been told about the pandemic is is not true. Uh, it didn't come from a bat that flew a thousand miles from a bat cave in Yunnan and land in someone's soup in Wuhan. <laughs> uh, it didn't come from a little uh, scaly anteater called a pangolin. I mean, they blamed all kinds of innocent little animals in China uh, for this virus that was actually created in the lab. And, and you know, when I said uh, two years ago, nearly two years ago, that it leaked from the lab, I was instantly, instantly accused of being a conspiracy theorist. Um, and, and, of course, the... Uh, it's it's not a conspiracy if if you actually look at the facts of what happened in Wuhan, if you actually look to the fact that the People's Liberation Army, beginning in 2017, uh, ramped up its bioweapons program using technology from the United States, provided them conveniently by Dr. Anthony Fauci of the uh, uh, NIH. And uh, of course, he also provided them U.S. tax dollars. And they use that money and that technology to insert into a 
benign coronavirus, one that only infects bats. They used it to insert something that made it infectious to human beings. We all know what they inserted now. It's called a spike protein. And it's a spike protein that can attack human cells. And of course, it's been attacking human cells uh, ever since. But what we know now uh, that we didn't know then, we knew then that it, it came from the lab, but we didn't know exactly how it was created. We know that now. We know the, the, uh, the genomic sequence of this virus. Uh, we know where the insertions were made. We know these insertions were deliberately made to make it more infectious. And we know that it was a bioweapon. And, but what kind of bioweapon? You see, when you say bioweapon, people think of something like anthrax that kills a lot of people immediately. Think of something like Ebola. But that's not what this bioweapon is. The Chinese strategic literature talks openly about uh, an unrestricted bioweapon. And what they mean by that is not, not something that, that kills immediately uh, and is highly lethal. They mean by that something of low lethality so it doesn't kill a lot of people, but it makes some people sick uh, of high infectiousness so that it spreads throughout the population, can't be stopped, and plausible deniability, which means that they can deny, as they have, uh, being behind this coronavirus. So this is an unrestricted bioweapon. It fits the definition that you find in the Chinese strategic literature. And I've read that literature in Chinese, oh, wow. so I know. And the only remaining question is, is how it got out into the streets of Wuhan. And I think it got out during uh, vaccine trials uh, in the city of Wuhan. They were trying to, they had the virus, they had the unrestricted bioweapon, and now they were trying to find a defense against it, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't wanna release a bioweapon on your own people if, if unless you can inoculate them against it in some way. And so I think during vaccine trials in Wuhan, when they were probably using what we call an attenuated vaccine, a weakened vaccine, not these mRNA vaccines that we're talking about here with Pfizer and Moderna, but in China, they were probably using the classic weakened vaccine uh, uh, or weakened strain of the real virus uh, to give people a light infection, uh, the way cowpox did with smallpox when Jennings discovered that uh, a couple of centuries ago. Um, so that's what happened. It leaked out in the city of Wuhan and then and then the Chinese Communist Party leaders panicked and did everything they could to spread it around the world because they didn't want the Chinese to be the only people suffering from this virus. They wanted to spread the pain around the world, and they did that very, very effectively. So that's how I think this bioweapon actually got out of the lab. It didn't leak, technically. It, it, it escaped during community trials. I think that's where we're at today. Rudy? Uh, yes, Mr. Mosher, I had a question. Um, you know, one of the frustrating things about our news cycle is how fast people forget uh, certain news stories. And just recently, you, you, you already sort of mentioned it, but um, Dr. Fauci, it turns out, was funding gain-of-function research at yeah. the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And I just wanted to uh, ask you if you could give a brief explanation as to what that is and why, as Catholics, we should be concerned about the ethics surrounding this type of research. Yeah, we know now uh, that Dr. Anthony Fauci, from the beginning, was a great advocate of what's called gain-of-function research. And gain-of-function research is, is uh, in brief, research intended to make an existing virus or bacteria more infectious and more deadly. Those are the functions that it gains. It doesn't gain any sort of 
beneficent function, beneficial function, uh, it gains the ability to harm more human beings and to spread more rapidly among the human population. That's what gain of function is all about. And when you hear it, you think to yourself, why would anyone want to do that? Why would you want to take an existing virus that might give someone a cold or might not infect them at all, and then manipulate it, manipulate its genome, put in insertions of new genetic bits of material to make it more infectious and more deadly, gain the function to kill more human beings. Why would you ever want to do that? Well, Dr. Anthony Fauci's argument, which he began to make way back in, in 2011 in, in a op-ed in the Washington Post, was to say this, we need to have uh, the ability to anticipate the next plague. From time to time, viruses jump from animals to human beings. It's called zoonotic transmission from the zoo to humans, from the animal to human. And, and he said, we need to be researching uh, these viruses and making them more infectious and deadly in the lab using gain-of-function research in order to anticipate the next uh, transmission from nature. Because if we can have it in the lab, you see, then we can find out how to defeat it. We can create a, a vaccine, for example, to inoculate people against it, or we can develop therapeutic drugs uh, to prevent them from getting a serious case or prevent them from getting it at all. That was the idea. And about uh, hundreds, hundreds of uh, scientists who were more reasonable and thoughtful and wise than he was immediately spoke out and said, this is a very, very bad idea because what if it escaped from the lab? Now, I agree with those scientists, but I think they were being a little naive because when the Chinese Communist Party saw gain-of-function research and realized that Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, was actually going to violate a moratorium on gain-of-function research that was put in place in 2014 and fund gain-of-function research in China, fund gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, allow the head of the P4 lab there, the high containment lab, Dr. Shi Zheng Li, to come over to the United States and learn these new techniques where you could make an insertion in a virus and, and leave no trace of your action. When the People's Liberation Army saw this, they thought, oh, we're going to use gain-of-function research not to protect humanity against dangerous viruses of nature. We're going to create a dangerous virus, and then we're going to create a vaccine against it, and then we'll have a bioweapon that we can use against the rest of the world, but protect our own population with a vaccine. Now, I'm not speculating about this because there is actually a 2017 speech given by a major general in the People's Liberation Army, Major General Chun Wei, who's in charge of the PLA bioweapons program, in which she says, we are developing bioweapons. We are in a two-phase project to develop bioweapons. The first phase is to develop the virus. The second phase is to develop the vaccine. You see, she said, and this is the key phrase, you need to have a spear before you can develop a shield. She said, we will develop the spear, which will be a deadly virus, and then we will develop the shield to protect the members of the Communist Party, the soldiers in the PLA from the virus before we release it on the world. Um, so that's what happened in the Wuhan lab. 
that's why I say it's an unrestricted bioweapon. But but a, but a kind of a, a tricky thing happened on the way to develop a vaccine. It escaped during community trials in Wuhan, and uh, and you know the rest of the story. We have about uh, a minute and a half with uh, Stephen Mosher of Population Research Institute. Real quick, I want to get you to comment on this, and I want to plug your book again. Um, Dr. Francis Collins, director of National Institutes for Health, uh, he said yesterday with Brett Baer on Fox News, quote, I am really sorry that the lab leak has become such a distraction for so many people because, frankly, we still don't know, unquote. Uh, what would you say to that? you got about a minute. <laughs> I, I I don't know. The, the You know, Francis Collins and Dr. Anthony Fauci, based on emails that have been sent back and forth between them that have now been made public, it's very clear uh, they have been uh, conspiring from the get-go to hide the laboratory origins of the virus, to hide the fact that the NIH was funding gain-of-function research in China, uh, to hide the fact that we taught the Chinese uh, military scientists how to do this kind of research. So uh, he's just trying to uh, this is just a CYA maneuver. Uh, he's just trying to convince people that yeah. uh, he and Dr. Fauci and the rest of the people in NIH had nothing to do with this. They had everything to do with this. And think about it. U.S. tax dollars were sent to China to make a bioweapon that came back to kill U.S. taxpayers. It doesn't get any worse than this. No, so you can see why doesn't. they're scrambling. All right. Uh, we're almost out of time now. Just a few seconds. What's your book and where can we find it? Well, the book about China is called Bully of Asia, and it's uh, available at your bookstore and at the usual sites. I hate to plug Amazon, but you can go to Barnes & Noble, or you can get it from us at the Population Research Institute, uh, where I'm the president. Uh, Op.org, P-O-P.org, will get you to the site, and you can order Bully of Asia there. All right. Praise be to God, Dr. Stephen Mosier, Population Research Institute. Thank you for your time today. God love you and God bless you. All right, we'll be right back. Alex Marlowe from Breitbart's coming up right after this break. Don't go anywhere. Are the biblical miracles too far-fetched to believe? Dead people rising, blind people seeing? How can a rational person believe such things? Well, it might seem irrational to believe relative to our general background knowledge, but relative to specific evidence, the obstacle of improbability can be overcome. For example, it's improbable for someone to rise from the dead. But if there were credible eyewitness testimonies, as in the case with Jesus, then belief would be rationally justified. Second, many skeptics often don't consider the improbability of the reported miracle being false. With regard to Jesus' resurrection, it's unreasonable to believe the apostles died for what they knew to be a lie, or that many different people had the same hallucination at the same time on different occasions. So miracles are not too far-fetched to believe if there is sufficient evidence to justify belief. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's your headline news. Reuters reports Facebook pays fines to Russia over banned content. 
Facebook has paid 17 million rubles, a little over $200,000, in fines owed in Russia for failing to delete content Moscow deems illegal, the Interfax News Agency reported on Sunday, but with the threat of a potentially larger fine looming. Facebook parent company Meta, along with Alphabet's Google, faces a court case next week for suspected repeated violations of Russian legislation on content and could be fined a percentage of its annual revenue in Russia. Russia in October sent state bailiffs to enforce the collection of 17 million rubles in fines imposed on Facebook. Interfax said that there were no more enforcement proceedings against the company as of Sunday. And the Blaze reports Michigan admits schools with mask mandates have similar COVID-19 case rates to those not requiring face coverings. The state published the Michigan COVID response data and modeling update on December 14th. The analysis examined COVID-19 data from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services and the Michigan Disease, Disease Surveillance System as recently as December 3rd of school students ages 5 through 18. The latest reporting actually shows that schools with few to no mask rules had fewer seven-day average cases per 100,000 than schools where masks were required or schools with partial mask rules. A peer-reviewed study released in August discovered similar findings that face masks had no significant impact on reducing the spread of COVID-19. Researchers from the University of Louisville compared COVID-19 case growth in states with mask mandates to states without mandatory mask mandates. The researchers concluded mask mandates and use likely did not affect COVID-19 case growth. And The Hill reports Kentucky governor a week after tornadoes, missing persons now at zero. Breitbart reports Biden resettles 400,000 Afghans across American communities in four months. According to figures published in the New York Times, the Biden administration has resettled about 38,000 Afghans across the United States since mid-August. Roughly 36,000 Afghans remain living in various U.S. military bases in Virginia, New Mexico, Texas, New Jersey, Wisconsin, and Indiana. Senator Amy Klobuchar suggested that the Afghan resettlement is necessary to provide businesses with an expanded labor pool to hire from, even though they will compete against working and middle-class Americans for jobs. Biden's resettlement operation is only possible thanks to funding from Congress that was approved by elected Republicans and Democrats. Earlier this month, a group of Senate Republicans voted with Democrats to give Biden an additional $7 billion to fund the resettlement operation, with no end date or numerical limit for when the U.S. will halt resettling Afghans. The total amount that American taxpayers are now spending on the operation exceeds $13 billion. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Joining us right now via Zoom chat all the way from uh, sunny California is Alex Marlowe. He is the editor-in-chief at Breitbart. Praise be to God. He is also the author of a book called Breaking the News, Exposing the Establishment Media's Hidden Deals and Secret Corruption, a book that I went through a couple of weeks ago on my trip to Baltimore and absolutely loved it. Uh, Alex, welcome to the program. Thank you for your time. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's really nice to have a reach out from the religious community. I'm a very active conservative, but I'm more of a passive Catholic. I do go to Catholic church, and I'm all con- I, I did my reconciliation last weekend, so I'm feeling very fresh. So. Praise, praise be to God. Fresh out of the confessional. I love that. This is going to be a great conversation. Uh, we, I, I really loved your book for a number of reasons. I felt it was... Uh, like the, it's the thing you really wanted as a conservative, especially in media, you're like, oh yes, yes, preach it. Yes. 
Um, so there was so many points along this uh, listening to your book, because I did go through the audio version, which you narrated, uh, where I, I wanted to pause it and really expand on those points. And so um, I, I, let me start with this question, which is a personal one, if that's OK. Um, you really sure. you really touched on your relationship to your dad and how that impacted your work. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's really nice of you to say my dad actually works for me at Breitbart, and he's our uh, evening editor. He covers the front page for us. Uh, in the evening, um, but I was very blessed to have an incredibly solid father figure uh, growing up, and this is something that is uh, has been largely one of my secret weapons. He's just been a good man his whole life, and uh, he introduced me to the Catholic Church, he introduced me to conservative values, and he never did this in a way that was, uh, he never did it in a way that was um, where he insulted my intelligence. He always built up my ability to solve problems and to draw my own conclusions, but he also provided support and warmth and a really good uh, of, uh, underpinning in terms of values. He was just always a decent person. He never was in any trouble and he always did the right things by his family and by his coworkers and by his employees when he had a small business. And I just drew, always drew off of that. And it's interesting because I, I like to think of myself as a pretty nice guy. He was even a much kinder guy or is a much kinder guy than I am. And I just get so many values straight from him, but he also never backed down on anything. I never saw him whimper. I never saw him back off of a fight that needed to be made. He's also very iconoclastic, his decisions that he makes. Um, are always uh, ultimately the individual is the champion and he's got guiding lights, you know, he's well read and it, it is, it, you know, would bring me to church, et cetera. But he would always make his own, up his own mind too and carve his own path. So it's just the perfect set of values uh, to have from a father. And without that, I certainly wouldn't be nearly as far along in my life as I am. Praise be to God for that. I love that, that he had a, a big impactful role in you. And, uh, and that you included him or touched upon him in your book. So let's talk about the book more in particular here. Sure. The title is called Breaking News, Exposing the Establishment Media's Hidden Deals and Secret Corruption, uh, published by Simon and & Schuster. And uh, you cover the big stories over the last couple of years. Uh, fake news, 1619, racism, BLM and Antifa, MAGA and, and Never Trumpers and the election results and so much more. What made you want to write this book and uh, what did you hope to get out of it? Of it. Yeah, there's two things that made me want to write it, I would say, is first of all, just the life goal of uh, I've always wanted to write a book, sort of something in my bucket list, so to speak. And it seemed like the timing was pretty good. And then um, it just seemed like the timing for my life. I was at home quite a bit because uh, we were about to have my uh, my second son. And uh, it just seemed like a good time. You know, those quiet evenings are the best time to kind of write. And I felt very good about my discipline. I thought I could get it done. And when I thought of a topic that really spoke to me, I didn't think there had been a really good comprehensive book on all of the fake news that came out in the Trump era. And regardless of people's opinion of President Trump at this time, it was totally unprecedented. And, you know, I lived through some of the horrific attacks on Breitbart, which were dishonest. And I recall, of course, what the media did to Sarah Palin and all these things that were just so horrible. But what they're doing to Trump was truly amazing, but there was something new about the way they were attacking Trump, is they were attacking his supporters. The media was also going after the people who were behind Trump's rise, and they weren't doing it from a liberal-leaning sort of way. They really weaponized. The fake news was weaponized uh, against Trump and his supporters, and so I took on a research project. I hired a 
first-class researcher who's on loan to me from Peter Schweitzer's shop, the Government Accountability Institute. And we started to dig into some of the business relationships behind the media, because I noticed that clearly they're not just trying to get ratings anymore. There's something else going on. And that's exactly what we found, is that we found that the media is essentially the front person. They're the person who's the, you know, the Walmart greeter, so to speak, for a gigantic conglomerate. And these conglomerates are often a business overseas, particularly in China. And the media is just trying to keep the public focused on stuff so that the conglomerate can, can thrive. Take NBC, which is part of NBC Universal, and ABC, which is ABC Disney. These all have news divisions, but they don't really need to thrive. They just need to exist and protect the corporate status quo. And we saw that, and you actually talk about this in the book, time and time again, they're reading from the same script. Local outlets, national outlets, they're all saying the exact same words, uh, like as if they're reading from a script about the same stories. It is mind-boggling that most people don't pick up on this. And uh, when you talk about it, it's like, well, it's you is. Why isn't America paying attention? Yeah, to connect the first two topics you brought up, I mean, with my dad, I learned to be an individual. And, you know, there are places we can get your values that the collective should get their values from. I mean, I'm thinking of the Bible, the founding documents in particular. Uh, but ultimately, you got to be an individual. And that's what I loved about Andrew Breitbart, our founder, and so many of my heroes growing up uh, in a more iconoclastic age. Um, and then you see the way the media operates, and it's as a collective. And they operate with everyone agrees on the same thing. They all, and I recall when I was just really getting to become a news junkie in college, I felt like I would read the same article 19 times. I'd read the Washington Post version and the New York Times version, the Associated Press's version, and local news version. It was all the same article. And that was what drew me to Breitbart to begin with is that, that just because the media concludes something is accurate, it doesn't necessarily make it accurate. It means that's their narrative. Mm. And this is something that played out throughout the book is that the media outlets almost always got the same stories wrong in the same direction. The Jesse Smollett hoax, the, the Covington hoax, the Kavanaugh hoax. And anytime someone would pop out of line, they would get popped back into place. And it's truly disgraceful. But regardless of my judgment of that disgrace, I think just writing about it and clearly spelling out this is what is happening and here's why I needed to be done. You know, I, I I love history, and in my free time, I go through history books mostly. Uh, when the pandemic hit and the lockdown started, I sat there at the house, and I went through uh, the Boston Massacre again, and I went through some of the history books and some of the biographies, and then I went and actually looked up original newspaper articles about the event in the Pennsylvania Gazette and others. They were all the same article. Sam Adams and Paul Revere yes. worked together to distribute the same art. So this is not even a new technique. It's been no. around a long time. No, exactly. And the only thing that's really changed to me is that now the agenda was so corporate. Now the agenda was so much about uh, advancing the goals of ABC Disney, which is you know doing lots of business in China, opening theme parks in China, selling Disney movies to China, and NBC Comcast Universal in the same business. It's theme parks and movie distribution. And it's not just the... This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is too condemning. It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, the other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. 
The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the Church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? Because sooner or later, it'll be turned against the Church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. And then I went and actually looked up original newspaper articles about the event in the Pennsylvania Gazette and others. They were all the same article. Sam Adams and Paul Revere yes. worked together to distribute the same article. So this is not even a new technique. It's been no. around a long time. No, exactly. And the only thing that's really changed to me is that now the agenda was so corporate. Now the agenda was so much about uh, advancing the goals of ABC Disney, which is you know doing lots of business in China, opening theme parks in China, selling Disney movies to China, and NBC, Comcast, Universal, you know the same business. It's theme parks and it's movie distribution, and is not just the news. And they're all buying each other, and any of the upstart left wing media outlets all get gobbled up. And these billionaires are in control, and to really police them, to really be their watchdog, means that they're not going to hire you in the future, also. So it's kind of not a great career move for a journalist who's making, you know, $70,000 a year to start really attacking the biggest billionaires on the planet. It's just not good business for you. And someone needed to put this out, uh, point this out in book form, I thought. And luckily, I got to be the first to do it. You know, I've always heard, you know, there is a time period where journalism was this like pure thing when it was everything was beautiful and wonderful. And then the yellow journalism came in, but then we prevailed over yellow journalism. And then now we're here. It seems like that's a, not a very true narrative. Uh, what is the truth about uh, the, how these uh, historically looking at it over time, what journalism was like? Yeah, you've nailed it. And my my colleague, uh, Mark Levin, who's on the Sirius XM Patriot channel with me and is a good friend and um, has been a great supporter of this book, he wrote a book called Unfreedom of the Press, I think it was in 2018, we had the same exact publisher, um, which basically laid out the full history. And you see, you have no idea how right you are. I mean, it's every, every era has basically been the same thing where some of the best journalists are, are doing so because they've got an agenda. The perceived neutrality tends to not be a great formula for great journalism. A lot of the time, great journalism is comes from a partisan place. But what changed, I think, recently is then it became less about journalism and more just purely about narrative setting and lying. And that might be newer, though, there, of course, there was a lot of lying in the past. I apologize for my, my doggies. Um, the, uh, it, 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 it's a happy office environment here. Uh, the, um, the, the, no, but, but it is a total misnomer that journalism has ever been particularly neutral. Uh, and I think one of the things that bothers all of us, particularly in the Breitbart newsroom so much lately, 
is that they keep lying to us and they won't come clean and tell us they have a perspective. CNN will never tell you they have a perspective, nor will even the New York Times opinion page. They think that that's, that's a center uh, collection of opinions. Uh, in my opinion, we will give you our exact perspective at Breitbart. I'll tell you it's a populist, conservative, uh, pro-Judeo-Christian website, and we're going to be selecting stories and writing stories with that frame of mind. Now, we want to be truthful first, but you do know you are getting our slant on it. And that's, I think, okay and should be encouraged. And so, and further to that point, you know, I, and I just graduated from a communications department and in, in our journalistic ethics classes, they kind of drill in your head about bias and these kind of things. And more and more, I'm realizing it's all, it seems as though it's nonsense. Is it actually a good thing to be not biased? And I feel like, as you were saying a second ago, yeah. sometimes it's even better to just lay out your bias and the, just plainly be honest and then uh move forward in that direction? How do you see it? Yeah, good, great question. Let me be crystal clear. Uh, bias is inevitable. And people who act like they're so neutral, that's almost like having some sort of a God complex. Like you are not, um, uh, it's a, uh, just to relate to, to this audience, I mean, we're all sinners. And then we go from there. We don't start from we're, we're pristine. And um, if you think I'm not pristine, then you're being too judgmental. And no, that's not that's not the, the starting point. And somehow in our media that we've concluded that, you know, if someone at CNN says something, that that might be the some sort of a neutral baseline. Of course, it's not. It's they, they might think of it that way, but it's not. They're coming into it with their biases and their producers' biases and their bosses' biases. So bias is inevitable. So I'm 100% in the camp. State it flat out. Say where you're coming from and let people judge you accordingly. This was the motto of Andrew Breitbart, our founder. So it is, I, I, I'm not commenting on whether or not it's good or bad advice. We all have them. I think it is dishonest fundamentally to act as though you're impartial. And that is what the vast, vast, vast majority of our media does. And I think they're suffering credibly with their credibility because of it. Alex Marlowe is our guest. He is the editor-in-chief at Breitbart. He also is the author of a, a new book that came out not all that long ago called Bra uh, Breaking News, Exposing the Establishment Media's Hidden Deals and Secret Corruption, published by Simon & Schuster. We're going to link to it, of course. Um, it wasn't all that long ago, Alex, uh, when we were stuck with the main outlets like you know New York Times or The Post or ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, those types of things. Now we have Breitbart, we have so many others, but we live in an age of incredible censorship, which is why I still love radio. I'm an old school radio guy. I, I love radio. It lets me say things and have conversations that I'm not allowed to have on digital platforms. How is it, uh, how is it to try to continue to keep the platform alive, the audience engaged when you have everyone against you and they don't want to give you an opportunity? You're speaking exactly my language. I, I am very negative on social media. They get a lot of uh, I, they get a lot of my energy in the book because I think all the major social media conglomerates are much more concerned with censorship than they are with actually allowing people to exercise their fundamental First Amendment rights. And I think that this is something that is very, uh, it's something we've all sort of accepted, but many of us are still playing along. Uh, I, for one, find it very hard to play along. At Breitbart, we're very big on all the major social media platforms, and we put effort into it because we 
want to reach those people. But on a personal level, I'm 100% with you. I'm a radio guy. I'm on radio. I love being on radio. I love listening to radio. I love the new podcast medium. That's a terrific new medium. Um, and I like that we have our website where we can write articles and no one can really bother us uh, over there. And we try to be as truthful as possible because our credibility with our audience matters. We try to be as fun as possible because we want you to enjoy yourself when you're there. Um, but, you know, ultimately what Facebook and Twitter does is not a huge deal to us. And that's, that's really important because we are in the censorship age and with social media controlled by the same groups of people, uh, unelected, uh, very rich, far leftists who live in Silicon Valley, who are largely anonymous to us, uh, we have to assume they're going to be censoring the same types of content. And it does seem to be, you know, pro-conservative content. And that's why my focus is on platforms like radio. We keep a full conversation. People can have their full piece. They can have a fleshed out thought. And then, and you can say things without uh, all the, the nitpicking that goes on on places like Twitter. You, but in the book, you talk about how, uh, your traffic was severely hampered by Google not letting you be yeah. in the search top search results on page one. And then the ad situation became precarious for you. How did you guys uh, get past all of that? Yeah, well, we got past all of it. Luckily for us, it's about size. I mean, we're so big that we're able to survive just being lean and mean and actually thrive being lean and mean. But yeah, Google does uh, immeasurable damage to our business because they take content that would normally appear in their first page from Breitbart and they make it so that it doesn't appear at all. If we hit on a subject matter that they don't like, like for example, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, um, it's very hard to get search results in Google. In fact, it's impossible for you to search for Joe Biden for a Breitbart article. Unless you type in the word Breitbart, if you search for Joe Biden, you can scroll back a billion pages, you'll never get a Breitbart article. Uh, and that's because they manually censor it. It's not an algorithm, it's manually censored. And uh, Facebook treats us as a second tier publisher. You know, a lot of people in the company have tried to treat us like worse. They want us banned, um, but luckily we're, we've been able to at least survive there. And Twitter uses a tool called shadow banning, which diminishes our reach. Uh, all of this is big damage to our business. Um, and I uh, believe that, that uh, it also makes it hard to get advertising because a lot of people try to frame us as some sort of a toxic website, which we're not. But luckily due to our sheer size, We've been able to weather it, but I still think it's important to talk about it because the next Breitbart might not come out and might not exist because of this phenomenon where it is so discouraging as a conservative business to start knowing that the Silicon Valley tech giants are going to be using their, their resources and ideological forces to try to suppress you, which they do across the board. We have uh, just a few minutes left with Alex Marlowe, uh, the author of Breaking News by Simon & Schuster. Great book. Highly recommend it. It was a, a joy to go through. Uh, I almost feel like it, I kind of wish you'd waited a few more extra months to publish because there were some big stories that have come out right after you've published. I mean, Kyle Rittenhouse alone sure, might have been absolutely. worth the wait. Uh, Jesse Smollett. I mean, good grief. What else would you have put in there if you'd have had the opportunity? Well, Rittenhouse has got to be first. Um, that's going to be a really big one. Um, the, the And, and I, there will be a paperback. And I know I'm going to have my hands full picking and choosing. Um, the, what happened with January 6th, which I hated what happened on January 6th, but the fact that we're still obsessed with it, it's just, 
Uh, I mean, what happened? One Trump supporter got killed by law enforcement. It was a very bad day. It was not one of the worst days in American history. I think a lot of the people, uh, the, there's no massive movement behind it. It's, it's over. It, we don't have to talk about it every day. And yet that's what the media insists. Um, but the one that's really uh, interesting is how so much of the media insisted there would be no inflation, or as we call the Breitbart, the Biden inflation. Mm-hmm. In the Breitbart, we've been writing for six months that inflation is here. It's going to be a massive problem. And then all of a sudden, the media seemed to realize um, uh, you know, two weeks ago that inflation's here. And now it's the biggest issue in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the media's been so dishonest about the coronavirus, which I have a whole chapter on that, but that's only gotten worse. I mean, the list really goes on. Oh, how about Facebook just yesterday uh, admitting that their uh, their definition of a fact is their opinion. They said right. it's our protected opinion yeah. uh, when they're doing a fact check. These but are you're massive not stories allowed to have a protected to... opinion. They are, but yeah. you're not. Exactly. They're, they're, my, my facts are not protected opinion, but their protected opinion is now a fact. That's so insane that we're living through. Praise be to God in all things. We're going to have to put a pen in it right there. Alex Marlowe, editor-in-chief at Breitbart, uh, in his book, Breaking News. You can catch the entire interview on our YouTube channel. We'll make that public today. But uh, that's going to do it for hour number one at Catholic Drive Time. What a jam-packed hour. Dr. Stephen Mosier, Alex Marlowe, and more. Uh, praise be to God for it. If you can join us in the second hour, we would love to have you. We will, of course, have good news for you. A Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, plus our game show, new opportunities at prizes. All that is coming up in the next hour. Hang out with us if you can on our, on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Facebook, YouTube, Odyssey, Twitter. We're also streaming live to those sites as well. Or listen live right on our mobile app on iOS and Android. Check that out today. Look for the Guadalupe Radio Network. And don't forget, we're trying to give somebody a brand new Mercedes. Find the details linked up at grnonline.com. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, with Bishop Athanasius Schneider to talk about what did the CDW do? Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. 
No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation. Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, in order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It's Monday, December the 20th. Just four-ish plus days, four and change, because Midnight Mass will happen sooner before you, than, uh, than you think. Uh, that's coming up, so that means Christmas season is very, very close. Enjoy the last few days of the Advent season this week, right? Praise be to God. And we just wrapped up a wonderful hour last hour. Dr. Stephen Mosier was on. Alex Marlowe from Breitbart was on. Great conversations. Make sure you check out those conversations on our social feeds, which, by the way, everything is linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And also, while you're there, check out the rules and uh, how you might possibly win a brand new Mercedes. I think it's a GL, GLA 250, if I'm not mistaken. But some lucky Guadalupe Radio Network Catholic radio listener is going to drive away in a brand new Mercedes come February. Could be you. Your chances are pretty good. GRNonline.com is the website to go to to check that out. It's going to be a wonderful hour. This hour, we have some good news coming up for you. Praise be to God. We also have a Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and our game show, Fear and Trembling. And then afterwards, we'll, we'll go off the radio and stay on the live video feed for a little bit anyway to have a bit of an after show with you. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Bishop Athanasius Schneider is going to be our guest in the first hour, and we hope you will join us. We're going to get the, his opinion on what the CDD, CDW did over the weekend to help suppress, to further suppress, I should say, the traditional form of liturgy and piety, the sacraments, and more. So that's coming up tomorrow, so join us for that if you can. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Well, praise be to God, you're just down to it now. It is like literally hours Ooh. away before you are officially a Texan. Down to the wire, and I'm still not done packing. Did, but you have purchased your <laughs> cowboy boots, your buckle, and your hat, correct? Because you're not going to let you, the... They don't let you cross the border 
if you don't have those things. Is that right? Oh, yeah. They're going to stop you. I was on eBay you. looking for a couple Roper boots, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> Justin? You're going to get the Justins? Then maybe that's what I you do? I think those are the most common ones, yeah. So, speaking <laughs> of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Adrian, what do you wear? You don't, uh, Do you have Justins or do you have a different brand? Ariats. Ariats. I love Ariats. Excuse so, me. Wow. There you go. Yeah. I got oh, a, well. I have uh, two pairs of Ariats. Ariats. Well, there that's that's how the rich folks do it. That's for sure. Rich folks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> I think I have Justin's. Uh, I think I've, I have. I'm on my second pair of Justin's. Um, right my name is Adrian. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not Justin. Mm-hmm. Uh, praise be to God. It's good to be here. And uh, praise be to God. Let's uh, please say a hail mary for my mom on her birthday, which was yesterday. So if you were to say a Hail Mary for her, I'd be very grateful. Praise be to God. We had a great celebration yesterday. We had fajita tacos. Um, you and Rudy both got uh, the invite, right? Yeah. It was in the mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I sent it out yesterday. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm, yeah. The, the, the mail comes on Sunday, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you freeze us a plate? Sure. Right. Uh, totally. 100%. hmm Yes. Nice. That's okay. God's will. God's holy <laughs> will be done. I don't need your tacos. They're so yummy, though. Anyway, <clears throat> enough of that bitter and jadedness of uh, never receiving I- invites from Adrian. Uh, we are going to have a great hour this hour. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be some laughs involved and some inspirational stories. Is there a tearjerker in the news there, Rudy? Uh, yes, if you're a big uh, you know, a dog fan. So man's best friend. So not killing puppies, right? I think that's an no. established rule for the show. No, There'll be no killing not. puppy stories. No, <laughs> this puppy. This puppy did not die. Praise be to God. That's no puppies were news. harmed in the good news segment. <laughs> That's good news. Uh, and then we have a new sponsor this week too. Oh yes, yes, we have a very generous sponsor this week. This week our sponsor is Dennis Knapp. He's a fellow Catholic and blogger. He's generously sponsoring the gift, uh, the the prize this week. Excuse me, of a copy of J.R. J.R.R. Tolkien's letters. Nice. Book. Awesome. Praise be to God. A lot of Tolkien fans in the CDT crew uh, were very grateful to have an opportunity to give out prizes to our listeners. So Mm -hmm. stick around. 15 past. We'll play the game. If you would like the phone number and you want to hedge your opportunity to be our first caller at the right time, well, you can always go on to our website and find the rules and the phone number listed there. So you can call in, sit on hold. That's an option. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's pray. Let's jump in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's your good news story of the day. Epic Times reports stray dog gets stranded on Mexico's highest mountain for a month until rescuers come for him. You know, the only thing this story didn't cover is what the dog was eating for a month, which is rather interesting. And the story goes, a stray mixed breed dog, hungry and searching for food back in October, tagged along with some hikers south of the border who were feeding him. And together they scaled Pico de Orizaba, the highest mountain in Mexico. But when it came time for the humans to make the treacherous descent back down, the dog straggled behind while the humans went home he endured sub-zero temperatures for almost a month, 
until a climber eventually snapped a photo of him, posted it on social media, and it went viral. An online buzz ensued surrounding this dog named El Canelo, and eventually word reached Layo Aguilar, an experienced hiker and teacher from nearby Veracruz. Previously on October 18th, Juan Pedro Ruiz Guerrero had visited the mountain with his SUV in a bid to retrieve Canelo, but no luck. Nor did anyone else who tried. Guerrero contracted Aguilar, who offered to help, but and he and he set out with a group of 30 hikers, including a number of his own students. On November 20, November 21st, they sub, sub, they summited Pico de Orizaba and found Canelo right where he had been uncomfortably lodged for the last several weeks. He appeared malnourished, with a lesion on his leg and very red eyes due to the solar radiation attributed to the altitude Aguilar shared on social media. After 5,000 meters, the ultraviolet rays and the reflections of the sun in the snow could have made him blind. Aguilar cuddled the dog, the cold dog, and found that he responded to them. One of Aguilar's hiker friends gave Canelo water from his thermos, and he drank almost the whole thing. The treacherous trek down the volcano is tough enough for humans, let alone a weakened four-legged friend. Improvising, they rigged up a backpack and uh, a doggy, uh, sorry, a backpack doggy carrier, and with some initial resistance, convinced him to go along with it. His head can be seen peeking out of the pack in some of Aguilar's photos. By and by, the rescue team reached the level ground. Aguilar took Canelo home with his two other dogs, Rocco and Pachito Botas, who tolerated but weren't too friendly with the, the rescue stray. Aguilar knew that caring for a third dog was too much for him. However, Canelo was later adopted by an animal rescuer. And that was your good news story this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Dominic of Silos. He was born in about 1000 AD. Born in Cañez La Rijoa to a family of peasants, he worked as a shepherd before becoming a Benedictine monk at the monasteries of San Milan de la Cojera. He was ordained a priest and soon became master of novices and then prior before being driven out with two of his fellow monks by King Garcia Sanchez III of Navarre for opposing his intention to annex the monastery's lands. Under the protection of King Ferdinand I of Leon in 1041, they found refuge in the town of Silos at the decaying abbey of St. Sebastian, occupied by only six monks. After his death, both the monastery and the town were renamed for him. Dominic was appointed as the abbot of the community and inspired by the reforms of Cluny. He proceeded to rebuild the monastery both spiritually and physically, he built the cloisters in the Romanesque style and established a scriptorium, turning the monastery into a center of book design, scholarship, and significant charity, made possible through the proceeds of a gold and silver workshop. Dominic became known for works of healing. The monastery became one of the centers of the Mozarabic liturgy and also preserved the Visigothic script of ancient Spain. Wealthy patrons endowed the monastery and Dominic raised the funds to ransom Christians taken prisoner by the Moors. By the time of his death on the 20th of December, 1073, the monastery numbered 40 monks. The mother of the better-known Saint Dominic de Guzman, the blessed Joan of Aza, is said to have prayed at his shrine before she was able to conceive the son she named after him. That son would grow up to found the Dominican order. Dominic's special patronage thus became connected with pregnancy, and until the establishment of the Second Spanish Republic in 1931, his habitual crozier was used to bless the queens of Spain and was placed by their beds when they were in labor. St. Dominic of Silos, 
pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel, being come in, said unto her, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Who having heard was troubled at his saying, and thought with herself what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found grace with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of David his father, and he shall reign in the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be done, because I know not man? And the angel, answering, said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee, and therefore also the Holy, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her that is called barren, because no word shall be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose said, Mark the virgin by her manner of life, alone in an inner chamber, unseen by the eyes of men, discovered only by an angel, as it is said, and the angel came in unto her, that she might not be dishonored by an ignoble address. She is saluted by an angel. I got to tell you, I, I would love to just spend two, three hours just on this particular passage. And I have many times in, in my work uh, over the many uh, the last couple of decades as a Catholic in, in apologetics. This particular passage is a key interpretive passage to understanding uh, typologically the mysteries of the Old Testament coming to life in the New, as St. Augustine might, uh, might phrase it. It is so powerful to look at this. Ignatius Catholic Commentary said, full of grace, this is the only biblical instance where an angel addresses someone by a title instead of a personal name. That is so significant. I want you to pay attention to that. This is the only biblical instance where an angel addresses someone by a title instead of a personal name. Two considerations help to clarify its meaning. Number one, the expression full of grace is rooted in Catholic tradition and traced to St. Jerome's translation of this verse in the Latin Vulgate. Although fundamentally accurate, it lacks some of the depth of the Greek original. Luke could have described her with the words full of grace as he did of St. Stephen in Acts 6-8. 
Yet here he uses a different expression, kekaritomene. That is even more revealing than the traditional rendering. It indicates that God has already graced Mary previous to this point, making her a vessel who has been and is now filled with divine life. Alternative translations like favored one or highly favored are possible but inadequate. I want you to remember that this Christmas season. Those are inadequate translations because of the unparalleled role that Mary accepts at this turning point in salvation history. The best translation is the most exalted one. For God endowed Mary with an abundance of grace to prepare her for the vocation of divine motherhood and to make her sterling example of Christian holiness. Hours could be said on this particular passage. Uh, but there isn't time for that. It is time to play our game, Fear and Trembling. And we are going to open the phone lines now to the first caller, who can be our contestant to play the game. That phone number is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Be our first caller, and you might win some prizes this week. Praise be to God. 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four is that number. First caller gets to be the contestant. Fear and trembling is coming up next. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Share us with a friend. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation 
by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor. Do not share with anybody what I'm about to share with you. All right? That's the deal. If we can do that, then we have a lot of fun in this game segment. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. And number two, we like to have fun. We like to laugh and our contestants tend to be a really good time. They're great sports. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that the most, I think. And, of course, we give out prizes, which kind of makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're new here and you're just trying to figure out what in the world are they doing, here's the deal. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but I do not ask the caller. So the caller does not even need to know the correct answers, and they could still win the game. It's possible. Praise be to God. And the reason why is because instead of asking them these questions, I will ask Rudy and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct and the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? So this week, our sponsor is Dennis Knapp, a fellow Catholic and blogger. He's generously sponsoring the prize with a copy of J.R.R. Tolkien's Letters book. He says he's a huge fan of Catholic author J.R.R. Tolkien, along with, uh, I'm sure, all of us. And his letters offer an awesome insight into his Catholic faith and how his faith influenced the Lord of the Rings. Please check out his uh, blog at patheos.com slash blogs slash the Latin Rite, so R-I-G-H-T. And the name is a play on the Latin Rite combined with the perception of conservatism for the traditional Catholic values and beliefs. And he says also, what I write reflects my commitment to the truth taught by the Catholic Church and therefore perceived as conservative. So please follow him and his blog. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you very much to our generous sponsor, Dennis Knapp, this week. We're looking forward to sending out that book uh, to uh, some lucky Catholic Drive Time listener. Praise be to God. Stick around. That's coming. All right. Let's go to the phones. Morell, welcome and good morning to you. Thanks for calling into our game show. Thank you. Good morning. Praise be to God. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from California. Hey, now. California. What part of California are you calling from? Southern California. SoCal. Boy, California's on the board. I can't are think of... Are you telling me you're awake at 5 in the morning? <laughs> well, you are, already. I'm early. Yes, I've already <laughs> been to online mass and everything, so I'm oh, with wow. you. Well, praise be to God. California's on the... I don't know if we've ever had a California contestant for the game show, so I'm pretty excited awesome. about this. <laughs> uh, now, we. I think you were, you were hanging out with us on the live video feed last week, and I obliterated your name, so thank you for calling thank in and giving me... A, a mulligan yeah. opportunity here to get your name correct. Is it? It's Morel. Correct. All right. Praise be to God. All right, Morel. Do you understand the rules? Do you know how this game is played? I do. So uh, you have, you know, then that Rudy and Adrian are can be, you know, very tricky. I, however, am on your side, and it's my job to get you in the cup. Are you ready to play? I'm ready, and I trust you. Go for it. Praise be to God. You guys listening to this? Hopefully, you're listening to this. 
All right, Rudy. Oh, man. We will start with you, as is our custom. Rudy, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? I was born ready. Are you sure? Yeah. Rudy, can you tell me, or rather, can you name for me, the third joyful mystery? Ah, oh, Joe, that's so easy. Give me a hard one. Okay. It's obviously the mm-hmm. presentation. It's obviously the, pr- the presentation. Presentation of our blessed Lord, yeah. It, at the temple. That's, at the temple. That's your answer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm, okay. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, let's get a second opinion on this one. Adrian, can you tell me? That's me. Uh, can, can you name for me <laughs> the third joyful mystery, please? Yes, I can. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. I'm glad we had this conversation. Oh, oh, you want me to name it? I would, like, okay. I would yes. like you to name yes. it. Yes, okay. please. Well, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a certain feast day that's coming up this week. and uh, <laughs> This week? This week, yeah. It's like day, okay. It's like a days away, and huh. it's related to that, and really? it's called the Nativity. The, na- the Nativity, you mm-hmm. say? One hmm. might say it's Christmas. Some might say it's keeping Christ in the Mass. There you go, folks. That's a conversation for another day, like tomorrow, instance. Okay, all right, here's the deal, uh, Murrell. Adrian seems to think the third joyful mystery is the nativity, whereas Rudy says it's the presentation in the temple. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Murrell, what say you? I say it is obviously the nativity. Easy. Easy. Nice. <laughs> Rudy, with your that was easy. super easy, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> Praise be to God. Uh, all right, so you're in the cup. You could win, Morale. It's possible, but I think we're going to uh, try to get you to double your chances with this next question. However, I'm going to say this next one could be. It could be the trickiest question of all three. So let's listen carefully. We're going to go to Adrian. Uh Uh-oh. Adrian, can you tell me? Yes, I can. What Uh is the Latin title of the song, O Come All Ye Faithful? O Come All Ye Faithful. That would be Veni Veni Emmanuel. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't want... You good? Uh, just a little bit of morning, okay. morning yeah, allergies. Thought, yeah. It's just a fly. It's choking just on a something. Choke, yeah, choking right. on something, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, <laughs> that's awkward. Okay, one more time. What did you say it was? Vinny, Vinny, Emmanuel. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> sure. Hey, now. Whatever you say. Uh, let's, go to, let's go to Rudy here and see what Rudy has to say. Rudy, uh, can you tell me what is the Latin title of the song, O Come All Ye Faithful? Oh, come all ye faithful. <laughs> That's Clearly, Latin. it's Adeste Fidelis. Adeste Fidelis, Adeste you say? Adeste Fidelis. I don't know the rest in Latin. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Uh, well, I serve in the Marine Corps. Fidelis seems to kind of sound familiar. Hmm, always faithful. Interesting. Semper all right, here is the deal, uh, Morel. Uh, Rudy seems to think the correct answer is Adeste Fidelis for O Come All Ye Faithful, whereas Rudy said it was Veni Veni what? Adrian. Adrian said it was Veni Veni what? Emmanuel. Veni Veni Emmanuel. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Morel, what say you? Well, I'll tell you, I cannot repeat what Rudy said, but I'm definitely with him today. <laughs> so whatever Rudy said, that's it. Whatever Rudy 15 said. Fifteen seconds on the clock, and she is right. Praise there you be to go. God. Yay! 
You're, congratulations. Whatever bro. Rudy said, he's right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I, I couldn't remember what Adrian said either, so if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> Praise be to God. You are correct. You're in for two. That's the hardest one. I think this next one, I don't know. I think this next one should be fairly straightforward. I think this is the hardest one. You think this one's the hardest one? I think this one's the hardest one. Rudy. This is a tough one. Do you think this is the hardest one? This is a toughie. You think this is a toughie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Morel, let's take this slow and see if we can't get this done. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, what are the four ends of the Holy Mass? At every Mass, there is adoration, thanksgiving, satisfaction, and supplication. Seems straightforward to me. Pretty straightforward. <laughs> oh, adoration, Hopefully thanksgiving, satisfaction, and supplication. That was your answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I wonder what Adrian's going to say. Adrian. Me too. <laughs> Adrian, can you tell me? What are the four ends of the Holy Mass? The four ends of the Holy Mass? I didn't, I don't know what Mass that Rudy is going to, but <laughs> I, I, what I'm saying is, is yeah. community, mm-hmm. fraternity, oh, equality, mm. and a shared <laughs> meal. Why are y'all laughing? Uh, what are y'all laughing at? Uh, I'm just having morning allergy problems. So that's problems. community, Maybe fraternity, or something. equality, and having a shared meal together. Huh. <laughs> Those are the four ends of the mass. Sounds like Sponsored the by. French Revolution, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Y'all are just Brought such you haters. Part by the French Revolution. <laughs> okay, Morel. All right. All kidding aside, here is the deal. Uh, Adrian seems to think that the four ends goals of Holy Mass, you might say, are community, fraternity, equality, and a shared meal. <clears throat> Whereas Rudy says it is adoration, thanksgiving, satisfaction, and supplication. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mirel, what say you? I don't know. I guess I should save a coin on this one. I have no idea. I'm going to go with the community and overall social gathering kind of thing. So I'm going to go, I believe that was Rudy. Go with Rudy. Survey says. I don't know. Rudy. Wait. Did we say Rudy? Yeah. I don't even know. She said Rudy. Yeah. Trust yeah. me. Morel, it was correct uh, with uh, Rudy there. Adoration, Thanksgiving, satisfaction, and supplication was correct. I guess that was a trickier question than we uh, than I originally thought. But uh, but you're in for three, Morel. You're in for three. It may be God's will that you win this week. Praise be to God. Thank you for getting Praise up early and hanging out with us and calling in from California. Yeah. God love you today. And, uh, and if I don't talk to you sooner, Merry Christmas to you. But we're going to put you on hold so we get your phone number in case it be God's will. And uh, that is going to do it for the radio side of our show today. Please hang out with us if you can on our live video feeds of Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or elsewhere uh, for the after show. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Bishop Athanasius Schneider will be our guest at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Monday of the fourth week of Advent. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. O come thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty Amen. God, and, and to you, my brothers, brothers and sisters, sisters that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, eternal majesty, whose ineffable word the Immaculate Virgin received through the message of an angel, and so became the dwelling place of divinity, filled with the light of the Holy Spirit, grant, we pray, that by her example we may in humility hold fast to your will. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Let it be deep as the netherworld or high as the sky. But Ahaz answered, I will not ask, I will not tempt the Lord. Then Isaiah said, listen, O house of David, is it not enough for you to weary men? Must you also weary my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you this sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. The word of the Lord. Let the Lord enter, he is the King of glory. 
Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. The Lord's are the earth and its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He whose hands are sinless, whose heart is clean, who desires not what is vain. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God his Savior. Such is the race that seeks for him, that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. Let the Lord enter. He is the King of glory. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. O King of David, opening the gates of God's eternal kingdom, come and free the prisoners of darkness. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Beginning on December 17th and going to December 23rd, the church sets aside a very special time in the liturgy. It's what we really sing in the o, the o Antiphons, or the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, only we do it backwards. So by the time we get to, the, to December 23rd, we, we're singing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And it's mostly seen in the Alleluia verse uh, in, for the readings at the Mass, but more specifically for the Canticle of Mary Antiphon in the Liturgy of the Hours. And what's really neat about the O Antiphons is it takes an Old Testament title of God, in this case today, it's uh, the Key of David, or uh, Clavis Davidica. And if you, it, it, it sell, itself spells out a word. It's called an acrostic. And if you take that word, and, you, and then, of course, you have to spell it backwards in order to get the right word. 
but it, it has the Latin, it comes up with the Latin word cross, which means I am coming soon or even I am coming tomorrow. So by the time we get to December 23rd and we've gone through all the O antiphons, he comes tomorrow on December 25th on Christmas Eve. He is born for us at, at midnight. And uh, it, but so the church sets aside this beautiful time in order to, for us to prepare more uh, intentionally, uh, more specifically for the coming birth of Christ. And that's why in the gospel today, and in fact, of the readings for this December 20th, is we're going, we go through those almost chronological events which lead up to the birth of Christ. And we come to this incredible moment of the Annunciation. We hear this gospel, of course, quite frequently during the year. But here, I think we could highlight one uh, kind of very beautiful and interesting thing. In the Office of Readings today, St. Bernard of Clairvaux has this really amazing um, way of looking at the Annunciation because he, he takes the perspective of like being in the room with Mary when the angel appears to her. And he takes the perspective of us, who that is fallen humanity, and who is desperate for salvation, knowing how much hangs on Mary's answer. And you can sense the tension, the excitement, and the anxiety of what is Mary going to do? She has to say yes, and if she says yes, this changes everything for us. It is really the key that unlocks the kingdom, the key of David, that his, a kingdom would have no end, a kingdom that would save us from our sins. I think it's really neat because it's, uh, it's not just like looking at a Fra Angelico or Michelangelo representation of the Annunciation, but somehow being a part of the scene. It's like we looking at that piece of art are really standing in a position to behold these amazing events like a fly on the wall to hear this exchange between the angel and, and Mary. Oftentimes in depictions of the Annunciation, the angel is leaning toward Mary to tell her of the message of God. And Mary, who at one moment is deeply troubled, has this kind of posture of not quite sure exactly how to respond, and then even asks the angel an important question. How can this be? The reading for the, go the gospel for December 19th, the day preceding this one, although yesterday was the fourth Sunday of Advent, if it was December 19th, the gospel would have been the Annunciation to Zechariah, announcing that John the Baptist was going, to, was going to come, who was going to be the precursor of Christ. And we know what happens with Zechariah. He asks a question. I don't think this could happen, because how is this going to happen? My wife is old. I'm old. I don't really, I'm not really sure about this. And of course, the angel Gabriel, he's not very pleased with this answer. And Zechariah becomes mute until John the Baptist is born. But here, Mary's question is not a question of doubt. It really is a question of how does God want me to help him to accomplish his plan? Because she knows very well that children come from having relations. And she doesn't have relations with, with, uh, with Joseph, for whom she is betrothed, with whom she is betrothed. And she's asking, how is this to come about? She had this great, great desire to, for, to remain a virgin, to give her life completely to God. And so she's asking, how is it that God wants me to be a part of, uh, to fulfill his plan? It's not a question of doubt. It's a question of what does God want me to do about this? And so the angel, of course, has to answer her. You know, that the, the, the power of the Most High will come upon you. The Spirit will overshadow you. Thus the child will be born and be called Holy, the Son of God. If we turn to St. Bernard and his little dialogue that he has, he, from our perspective, he is looking at Mary. He's, he's saying, answer quickly, O virgin. Reply in haste to the angel. 
or rather through the angel to the Lord. Answer with the word, receive the word of God. Speak your own word, conceive the divine word. Breathe a passing word, embrace the eternal word. Why do you delay? Why are you afraid? Believe, give praise, and receive. You have to love what he says here. Let humility be bold. Let modesty be confident. A bold humility. We need Our Lady in, in her response. Open your heart to faith, O blessed virgin, your lips to praise, your womb to the Creator. See the desired of all nations is at your door, knocking to enter. Arise in faith, hasten in devotion, open in praise and thanksgiving. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, she says. Be it done to me according to your word. We can breathe a sigh of relief because Mary has said yes. And then with her, we say our own yes to God's will in our own life. May our response be as generous as hers as God prepares our hearts to receive him in Christmas this year. May our Mary accompany us, but we also have the spirit of Mary to give our yes to God's will, whatever may come, knowing that God is going to take care of everything. Amen. to stand and offer our prayers and intercessions to our Heavenly Father. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for all the needs of the Church. We pray especially for his intention this month of December for all catechists. May they give and uh, preach the Word and, and uh, help those who are walking in faith to, to deepen their faith and to walk more intentionally with Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray for peace throughout the world, that the Lord may relieve Relieve us all of all the great tensions and strife and war that is in this world today to bring his peace, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We're always mindful of those who are sick and who are suffering. To be especially attentive to those who are lonely, those who suffer from depression during this time, those who have no one to celebrate the coming feast of Christmas with, the homeless and the hungry, that through our love of them, we may grant, help to grant them relief, and God may provide for all their needs, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our, the intentions we hold in our hearts, for all those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, for their family, friends, all of our benefactors, for all those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Finally, we recall those who have died, and those who have gone before us marked with a sign of faith, may they sleep in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, hear our prayers and grant our petitions through Christ our Lord. Amen. Come, thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever. 
now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule thou in our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Look, O Lord, we pray upon the one sacrifice of your Son, that by participating in this mystery we may possess at last the gifts we have waited, and for which our faith bids us hope through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For all the oracles of the prophets foretold him. The Virgin Mother longed for him with love beyond all telling. John the Baptist sang of his coming and proclaimed his presence when he came. It is by his gift that already we rejoice at the mystery of his nativity, so that he may find us watchful in prayer and exultant in his praise. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabao, Planis Uncheliantara, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me.
the mystery of faith. Save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church is spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccato mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I am I not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only, only say, say the, the word, word, and my soul, soul shall be healed. 
the angel said to Mary, Behold, you will conceive and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The angel Gabriel from heaven came With wings as drifted snow, with eyes as flame All hail said he, all holy maiden Mary Most highly favored lady, Gloria how blessed among all women you shall be, whom every age will praise continually. Your son shall be Emmanuel by seers foretold, most highly favored lady, Gloria. Then gentle Mary meekly bowed her head To me be as it pleases God, she said My soul shall laud and magnify God's holy name Most highly favored lady, Gloria <coughs> Of her Emmanuel the Christ was born In Bethlehem all on a Christmas morn And Christian folk throughout the world will ever say Most highly favored lady, Gloria Let us pray. Grant divine protection, O Lord, to those you renew with this heavenly gift, that to those who delight in your mysteries, you may give the joy of true peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. O come, divine Messiah, the world in silence waits the day when hope shall sing its triumph and sadness flee away. Dear Savior, haste, come, come to earth, dispel the night and show your face and bid us hail the dawn of grace. O come, divine Messiah, the world in silence waits the day.
the prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.